And we're live here at the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neal, and we just watched the found footage of fear, digital terror. I'm joined by the fine folks who put it together. We have Sam Mason Bell. Hello. I think it's getting close to the record for a number of times on the show. <laughs> that's a nice that's thing. In, that's, that's yeah. Nice. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. It wasn't a negative, at least not on my end. Hopefully not for you. Uh, Dustin Ferguson. What's Welcome up? Back. Happy to be here. And Chris Mills. Hello. How's it going? Good. It was very, uh, very fun to watch it together. And it's very cool. Everyone's all around the world. Not only just watching it, but even making it. So how did this all come about? Do you want to start, Dustin, or do you want me to go with... Uh, yeah, tell, tell them how it started. Um, well, basically, we had this idea of this found footage film me and Chris wanted to do about a complete, well, wanker, complete old right <laughs> wanker. Uh-huh. And um, we were doing the concept for some other people, but it didn't really work too well. I still wanted to do it. And I wanted to do it as like a micro, very uh, low budget. It was like a four-day max kind of shoot. And then Dustin... I had approached him with the film and as he'd had a found footage of fear, the original, which was an anthology, he, he wanted to do something of a, a spin-off anyway. And the two kind of just fit well to work together as we'd just done Terra Blatchy Forest. And yeah, it just made sense to me to go to him. Well, yeah, I, I thought it would, um, the style that he wanted to do it in, I thought fit really well, you know, obviously with the first film and I've been looking to grow it into a franchise. So this almost seemed like an easy opportunity. He wanted to make a film like this and I was looking for a film like this. So I was like, Hey, let's make it a found footage of fear movie then. And everybody was happy. Yeah. Uh, Chris, how did you, uh, were you involved right to begin with Chris? Um, yeah, pretty much. Um, like Sam said, we, uh, we, had, we had the idea together. Um, and then we decided to kind of like flesh it out for um, yeah a, a previous kind of like endeavor that we were going for. That didn't work out. So then uh, yeah, the stars kind of aligned when Dustin came into the picture, and uh, yeah, we put it all together that way. I saw in the chat Dustin mentioned that he met uh, Sam seven years ago. So um, where was that, and how did uh, how did it go from you guys meeting and talking to you guys actually making stuff together? Well, it was online, so it was sadly yeah. not in person. Right. <laughs> and we actually haven't met in person, but we're going to meet this year, this October in person. Yeah, I've not met any of you in person either. <laughs> no, we're all we meet you as well. One day. <laughs> I'm not real. I'm virtual. <laughs> we have the hologram yeah, here of, uh, of Dustin Ferguson. <laughs> <laughs> no, and we actually, Dustin. it was through Tony Newton, I think, because Tony Newton, and who we all know, you know, he did a bunch of anthologies, and I know that Sam was a part of one. It might have been 60 Seconds to Die or something along yes. those lines. First one. First, yeah. one, first film yeah. I did with Chris as well, actually. Like, yeah, yeah. So, And that was forever ago. And then uh, Sam approached me about doing something on Conspiracy X. And then we kind of just formed a friendship from there. And uh, obviously, you guys know, he rebooted Terra Black Tree Forest, which was my first feature and did an excellent job. Thank you. Did, uh, did COVID, um, you know, make this... Uh, I don't say easier, just like it's more of a thing we could do because everyone was closed in at the time. To some degree, yeah. Like in this country in particular, we've been like a, a roller coaster of does the government care or no, they don't care. So at that particular time, it was like, okay, well, we are under restraints here. And I'm a big fan of like chamber piece horror films that are set just in one location. Yeah. Found footage allows that like strongly as well because 
You're not going to capture every single moment of a person's life, just what's in that particular place. Um, because we did the film earlier in the year, Hacker, which was, you know, difficult as hell because that was properly in the... the that was in the midst of lockdown, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a nightmare. <laughs> and I personally felt like I kind of didn't succeed as well with that film because it wasn't, it wasn't a horror film. It wasn't the script that was written by me. And I just felt like I kind of failed with it a bit. So I wanted to like show that I, to myself that I could do that kind of style. And because I'm quite a big fan of doing these found footage horrors that look at the behind the scenes and usually in a docu-horror way, I think that that CCTV watching behind sort of thing gives the same sort of vibe. So yeah, it was partly COVID, but it was partly just the interest in wanting to tell one of those kind of stories. I know a lot of trash art stuff. Um, you obviously have a script, but a lot of the, the dialogue is... Um is improvised, you know, on, so was that the same for this? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, um, we, me and Chris basically sat down and wrote the story out for the characters. And then afterwards, what me and Chris did is we would sit and just talk about this horrible bastard of a human being. <laughs> yeah. Watch lots of, well, he watched a lot of alt-right news guys, you know, you Ben Shapiro's and all those hideous human beings. But through, through left-wing channels. So I didn't support them. <laughs> and uh, yeah. The, um, the January the 6th insurrection, there's a documentary that came out, I think it was HBO and BBC, something rather over here. Yeah, I've watched um, it. Yeah, it's fantastic. And it, it really got us thinking more about those characters and stuff and just how, weirdly, he is more of an American alt-right than a British alt-right, but it's still the dirty same blood, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, it was, it was taking a lot of research from what was going on in the real world, but in the storytelling, yeah, it's all improvised and we just work with the actors in the moment and just go with it. How was that research, uh, Chris? <laughs> it was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, I started off kind of like in the, the shallow end and then like, as you do, you kind of like delve a bit deeper and yeah, just, just seeing the, the different levels of, uh, of just atrocious ways of thinking out there was, was very eye-opening. But um, I didn't want to go too like hard on specific subjects, but it was enough to kind of give me a way to uh, kind of convey that kind of leaning or ideology without actually using any, you know, kind of like trigger words or, or anything like that. Well, uh, interestingly, uh, um, Sam brought up wanker earlier, which is definitely a British <laughs> slang. I don't think we really use it here. Oh, yes. I do. I think it has a different meaning, actually. But yeah, <laughs> it can be associated in the same way, you know. Oh. But uh, along those lines, though, um, uh, when you talk about the the alt right, that is something I, I thought maybe would only like people would think about here, but it is apparently something that people think about uh, uh, in England and other countries. It's or an ideology understand and associate with. It's not just a Western idea anymore, unfortunately, because alt right is just white supremacy. That's all it is. It's just a different name for that kind of attitude. So it's all over, unfortunately. Mostly because of the English, but you know, that's, <laughs> that's a story for another yeah. time. <laughs> well, I want to jump in and say I yeah. didn't know how much of it was um, improvised until Sam just oh, mentioned that, and I think that that's actually a testament to how great uh, the acting was in the film. You know, Chris is amazing; it really carries that film. And there's just so many long takes where obviously he had to be able to maintain and evoke that emotion the entire time, and I think it really shines in this movie. Well, Thank you very you know, much, Dustin. No, I you know, totally mean Obviously, you can't be there uh, when they're filming, uh, being, you know, in L.A., they're in England. 
So how does that work? Like, uh, do, do they send you a lot of footage while they're filming it? Basically, like Sam was updating me constantly, like, oh, we're going to do this today. We're going to do that today. And they would tell me when they had wrapped. And I got to see behind the scenes photos ahead of time and um, could give input on things. And he would ask me my opinion and stuff. So I very much was there in spirit throughout the whole process, which is really cool. And then just to see, I remember the day he sent me the link and I, I was just home, had nothing to do that afternoon, put it on and was just entranced the whole time and very impressed with what they managed to pull off. It's very you. cool. Yeah. Uh, the mysterious unknown wants to know uh, Dustin or Sam or Chris, everyone, I guess, are there any plans for a third found? Yes, yes, there is I'm saving it to announce here, actually. Um, so what I do a lot with my franchises like me hook massacre. And now this one is I like to find different filmmakers to bring into the mix so we can get, you know, a variety of films. And so I've actually been talking to Tim Thomas who did the Bubba series and he's in pre-production for a part three that's going to be about aliens. Oh, interesting. So it'll kind of like all of these movies, I want to be unique in style and theme and tone, but have different subject matters so that they all stand on their own. Like the first was an anthology. This one had like the supernatural twist with the internet trolls. And then we're going to do something that's sort of like Blair Witch with aliens. Yeah. So I didn't, yeah. Oh, were you going to say something? Sorry. I don't want to talk over you. Uh, I was just, uh, since Dustin didn't know it was a lot of improv, uh, Sam, like, um, so uh, when you're sending him the foot, uh, how much do you film at once? Since a lot, since it's a lot of improv, I assume there's a lot more film than what, what you, uh, you know, a lot of it would be um, edited out, I guess. To some degree. I mean, like take, take the fact that there's a uh, one CCTV camera in the one shot in a kitchen. That's just going to be the performance and watching it almost like a play in some respects. So that is just the one shot. There isn't actually that much footage. I find weirdly of improv, I'm, it's more precise of the timings with improv than what I find with scripted films. I've been shooting this uh, scripted short film and it's supposed to be like 10, 12 minutes. And at the moment, the edit's like near 20 minutes because there's too much scripted stuff. Despite the fact the script's only seven pages, it's turned into a 20 minute film. Whereas improv, I've got a bit more control and it's probably because we've been doing improv films for about 10 years now. Mm-hmm. So I've got used to not having too much footage left over. Otherwise, the film would probably be a bit longer because right. it's it's still quite a micro kind of feature in some ways. And you you work with a lot of the same actors, so I assume they kind of know that style. And yeah, that's the thing. Like Chris has done so many improvised projects with us and found footage films as well. So he's yeah. used to having to stay in the character as long as until there's a cut. So that means taking the scene in a like kind of natural way but not like dragging it out too much, but not, yeah, not keeping it too micro because it just feels too, like bad found footage films to me are too snappy. There's too many quick scenes where you're not getting enough of who the people are. Whereas that's not how natural life is. And it's too, you know, cameras linger for a little bit longer than those moments, if you get me. So yeah, with improv, it's just fun. It's like everyone has this more kind of um, filmmaking's teamwork as it is. It's not about one voice. So with improv, you get that allowance for more people to have an interpretation of where the story can go and where the character goes because they know the story points, but they can bring in their extra elements. They're not just confined to the words on the page. And I always love that. When you do found footage, do you always have to like, uh, have to think about it? Does it make sense that this is being filmed as opposed to like, you know, why would this actually be filmed? Sometimes it's nice to not think about that, but generally I try to think about why would this be filmed? That's why they have to have CCTV cameras in certain rooms where he's a paranoid guy because he's an alt-right guy who's trying to hide his identity. It makes sense. Mm -hmm. 
but most of the time, yeah, it's, it's, it does take people out of it, especially when they're told this is in a format from this particular thing. And I'm a big fan of those um, online screen films like Pro, uh, Searching. That film works so well that this is like a real cheap version of that kind of found footage where we're seeing behind the laptop sort of thing. I like that styling. It's just um, it's expensive to do it right because you've got to have all the real brands in there. <laughs> Otherwise, it takes people away because they know they're fake brands. If you've got a fake Facebook in there, they're going to know instantly, you know. I think it's slightly different, though, and unique from found footage because it's almost like a fly on a wall sort of perspective, you know, like you yeah. said, how things linger. You're just sort of like watching their lives unfold in this whole scenario. And that's what makes it feel very natural is that it's not so orchestrated. It's just, you know, like this side and then this side of it as she leaves the room and enters over here. I really like that setup for a story like this. I've heard people explain that kind of as like a point of view film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Because I guess found footage really would really mean like someone something was left behind and you found it, you know, the actual mm-hmm. like tape of it or something. Well, and we actually had, I had, because in the first film footage of fear, a guy puts in a VHS tape and it starts and then it, the right. short start. So Sam for this one, and I don't know if everybody caught it at the beginning of the movie starts out with a laptop file opening and then this starts. So this technically is the found footage. Right. Very good. Yeah. And I wrote down, I thought this was a good uh, quote of yours in the chat. Uh, Dustin, you said uh, the movie demonstrates how, invent of this crew can be on limited resources, which I assume all of you, is, that's something all of you are used to. It's the beauty of indie film and the nightmare of indie film. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's that's how you see real skill, you know, like lack of funds really force you to be more creative, you know? And I mean, obviously if you're in the film world, you can look at this movie and see that it was done cheaply, but then you can see the genius in it as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, what's important. I remember when I had Tom Savini on, that's a cheap plug, but he said that, uh, that uh, it's kind of the same idea was, uh, you know, he had more fun, he said, when he was doing stuff that was really low budget. And before everyone really knew how to do everything, it was a lot of it was problem solving. Mm-hmm. And horror always offers that. Like, it's always just trying to find clever ways to tell a new, a new version of a story that people have heard. Yeah. Uh, Mysterious Unknown wants to know, does Sam really have a lot of uh, cameras set up? No, right there, no right. I'm not. I'm not a weirdo. I'm not. I'm not a horrible person. <laughs> like he would admit to it, anyways. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I wouldn't do that. No, whatever. We'll eventually find the real found footage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see what Chris is really up to. Hey, that's be in his house. He doesn't live. Yeah, that's the oh, real yeah. horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, what are you guys working on uh, next together, or separately? Um, well, I'm, I'll let Sam go here in a minute, but I do know that we've kind of made it public that they're going to be working on the Me Hook Massacre uh, reboot. So I'm very, very, very excited for them to handle that. Yeah, we've been working on the story for a couple of months now. And it's something we're looking to like start announcing and pushing towards the end of the year and then shoot the beginning of next year. <clears throat> but essentially, we're taking from what Dustin's already done within the franchise, finding our British take on it, and then obviously having a play with the similar sort of stories. And it's, it's been a lot of fun to just do something that's a bit, you know, bring back that fevery nightmare that um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre does so beautifully. Yeah. But with the characters that have been, you know, put into their own legacy through the Mita Massacre. So it should be fun. Well, and I really trust Sam to do it right. You know, after Terra Black Tree Forest, I was really taken aback at how well that was done. And instantly my wheels were like, all right, what else can I have Sam do? Because this is like amazing. 
you yeah. know, and so I'm really, really, really looking forward to it. Yeah, and I know Chris is going to be a big part of it too, so. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah. What's that experience like, Dustin, to have your previous work, you know, like uh, rebooted or remade or, you know, a new version of it? It's weird because I have imposter syndrome, so nothing ever really feels like it's happening. It's just all imaginary happening. But when I really stop and think about it, it is really cool, you know, just to kind of reflect back on like, wow, has it really been, you know, 15 years? Has it really, you know, like, and you think about stuff like that. And then I guess it's it's heartwarming, though, to see the lasting effect that it's had. And I think that that's ultimately why I've always done this. I want to leave an impression. I want to entertain people. I want to leave back a legacy, I suppose. And this sort of just builds upon that. And uh, Sam and Chris, what was it about about uh, Dustin's work that like, hey, this is something, you know, I would like to be involved in or I would like to, you know, give my own view on? I mean, with Tara Blatchy Forest, there's a desire to like that had to be able to do a slasher and to be part of a franchise that was already there, knew, understood the other slashes that come before it. It was kind of fun to go, OK, well, there's all the elements already there. And now we can just take our own take. And with, with Tara Blatchy Forest, it was fun to like not go for a campy slasher. I wanted to make a serious slasher that wasn't too serious, so you weren't like bogged down in grimness and that sort of modern take. It just needed to have good characters that you wanted to connect with, but also wanted to die. And then, yeah, a killer that surprised people. And fortunately, the reception we've got is that the killer was surprising. But we wanted to make sure that we didn't take, you know, we wanted to make sure it was still connected to the like DNA of the original. So it was just fun to be that offer to be part of a franchise. And like, you know, I'm British, so I don't really get that offer. We don't, we don't really have too many horror franchises, even That's on an independent true. level. We yeah, have yeah, some, yeah. but it's, they're out, they do exist. It, it's not they don't exist, but to be, to be able to just be able to part of it, I was like, yeah, why not? And that's why I like being part of franchises as well as coming up with our original ideas. It all, it all builds skills at the end of the day. And it connects us with a completely different audience and like vice versa. Well, and I really enjoyed that. Like you mentioned, there's a twist in your film that really makes it stand apart, you know, from the other films and also an air of seriousness, which I think is really what the series needed because, you know, being the first three were American films. And so they sort of have that sleazy slasher sensibility, whereas what you guys were able to bring to it is almost like a classier, you know, whodunit, jalo sort of feel to it which I think really elevated it as a whole and brought a whole new audience to it. And that's why I love being able to just give you your total creative freedom. Had I micromanaged what the film should be and what you should execute, then what was the point of the remake? You know what I mean? It's like, I want you to bring what you have to offer. And you really did with that film. Yeah, like, it's nice to be in that position. It's lucky to be in that position, you know, and I hope that we can get continue to be in that position. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I was saying, when I think of slasher, it really is like an American thing, uh, almost like all the slasher, uh, the big ones you think of are uh, American movies. Most yeah. definitely. And the thing is, like, because as um, Dustin pointed out with giallos, like, slashers are giallos, but giallos are also a reflection of American violent films, so it's people just borrowing from each other. It but really the best, is. A the original ones, they were just really good whodunits, where you genuinely were surprised by who the killer was. So it's still going back to what a slasher should be and not just an excuse for people to take their clothes off and be violently killed. <laughs> you know, sometimes that works. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you know. Well, and I only had some sort of sense of the twist because Sam had alluded to me, you know, what they were planning to do for the end. But I didn't know specifically really who it was when I watched it for the first time. 
So it worked really well. You know, it was really surprising and just made me really happy. It's like, wow, they really nailed this. They pulled that off. That's cool. I mean, it got me. Oh, nice. Yeah. I think a lot of it's down to the cast as well. I mean, I'm not going to say too much about what happens within that, but we had a really awesome cast who were just totally cool to to go along with it. And again, people that we worked with that we trusted and some people that were new to, to the whole process. And yeah, it was a horrible shoot, but it was, you know, it, it worked well. <laughs> lots of rain. <laughs> lots of, yeah, lots, lots of English oh, rain yeah. in the yeah. summer, in July. Not what you expect. <laughs> Yeah. That's the story of my life. It's because you were rebooting my movie that happened. Because that's what always happens. <laughs> I remember when I was in LA a few years ago and it rained and everyone was freaking yeah. out. And I didn't really understand what the because it never was. normally does. Yeah, yeah. They don't typically deal with it here, right? <laughs> I do remember I was walking down Hollywood Boulevard, though, and it was incredibly slippery. And uh, Michael Epstein was like, that's because it's so dirty when the, the rain yeah. comes. Like, and I thought he was joking, <laughs> but I was like, oh, no, I think that's no. the truth to this. <laughs> And it floods because it never normally rains, so the, the grounds can't absorb the water here. And so it rains for 10 minutes, and there's a flood in the streets. <laughs> A lot of people mentioned that they like Meat Hook Massacre, Joshua Palace, Meat Hook Massacre series rules. Awesome. Uh, and much love and eternal respect for Dustin. That's a very nice thing. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, who, what was the music at the end of uh, found footage of fear, digital terror? Oh, we, cause we had, uh, yeah, we had a couple of little rock songs in there. They were all localized. Um, I tend to try and the, the best we can with local music. There are so many excellent musicians in Portsmouth and why not work with your local scene to build any community. It just makes sense. So they were um, some bands because back in years ago, we used to run like live gigs all the time in the city and we had a lot of rock bands. And I think that was Foxer who uh, got that bit of Queens of the Stone Age kind of vibe going on. But yeah, they always give us music. Their music always seems to pop up. And even since my first film in 2007, I've always had a bit of their music pop up somewhere. And most of the time it is just like, you know, last minute requests and then they're straight there with their music and after 15 years. That's not bad. <laughs> I think that's a good uh, point though, for uh, any independent uh, filmmaker out there. Cause there's a lot of great independent uh, musicians and it, it's a win-win for everybody. They get their music is heard by new people and it help, you know, you've got some cool music to put in your movie and I do it on the podcast. So, you know, I think a lot of people, uh, it's something they should look into. Instead of just stealing some music and then getting flagged on. Uh, That's actually what I did starting out. I would do trades where I, with bands, I could get their song if I did a music video for them. I think that we all got to keep it, you know, artsy and in the community. That's the way to do it. Yeah. And like I said, it, it works for everybody then. No one's really taking, no one's being taken advantage of and everyone's being helped out. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You know, Annabelle, looked, Annabelle looked really good with the green hair. If she wants to keep it, I think <laughs> it's a good look. She will be wearing it in the next film we're shooting next week. For oh, really? Monte so you'll see it again. You know? yeah. It was cool getting <laughs> Bella on board. Um, she was actually going to originally be the lead actress. But towards the, towards the end of the story, we were like, actually, let's change that idea. Because, uh, yeah, again, I work for a lot of actors over and over again, and sometimes we over, over pair <laughs> people. Um, but, yeah, so she was happy to just have, like, a little cameo role in it. And I just loved that idea of watching him being broken down by a woman it had to be a woman and it had to be just a complete breakdown of him yeah. at his most vulnerable because there's i don't want the audience to have any empathy towards his character in this film <laughs> yeah no not at all <laughs> no, not at all we wanted this character to be the guy that everyone goes yeah no we we unanimously hate this guy yeah. he's a piece of crap you know if you yeah. like him you're the wrong audience <laughs> yeah, yeah, i'm yeah. just gonna say a similar thing yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, how about the shadow effects for uh you know when when the supernatural things happen that was the first time like we tried that like we basically did it behind a green screen and uh jackson jackson plays the ghost he's the voice of the ghost and he was in a green screen suit just standing behind mm-hmm. and i was really worried it wouldn't work so hard effects like pull off and i think <clears throat> i think i needed to have like maybe another extra layer to make it perfect but then because the performance is so dedicated to just getting the story across, it's like, all right, if he just stands there, we'll see what we can do with it. And I was, I was really happy. The comments always say, you know, like, oh, I thought something was weird there. And that's good because at least you're trying to work out what's going to happen here. Mm-hmm. And it was, yeah, it was fun just for him to bring in those green screen arms and just like strangle him. And yeah, it was, it was a different thing. But I knew that a film like this gave the opportunity to experiment a bit different with how to get a ghost to come across on film. And yeah, we did it all with the green screen and I think it worked. I, think. I like it. It's, it's weird. You can just feel like you said, there's, there's something off, even if, if you don't know what's going on at first. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'm going to try and do it more, but yeah, for the right films. And where is, um, if people weren't uh, during, here when we when we were showing it, which they should have been, but if they're if they're watching this in the future, the Q and A, uh, where can they see you found footage of fear, digital terror? Um, so we have it currently available as a two pack with the first one on Blu-ray. Um, you can go to my Kanaki store. I the links all over my Facebook, and I know that Sam always shares it too. Um, also, that's just a limited run because once part three is made, I'm going to be giving two and three to a larger distributor. So it'll be available retail stores everywhere. Oh, very cool. And um, what um, we talked about, you guys are doing stuff together, but uh, uh, Sam and Chris, uh, do you have anything in the works for the future? Yeah, yeah we do. Yeah. <laughs> we're literally um, next week. Uh, we're off to Somerset, which is a place Southwest of England, which I've never been to. Uh, it's near, uh, what's it called? The, the ruins. Uh, Stonehenge. Stonehenge, that one. Oh, it's yeah. near there, which <laughs> there. Yeah. That place with rocks, whatever it, it's called. Yeah, you just said <laughs> Yeah, you know, you know, the, the giant rocks, you know, the place. Where yeah, you said it like it's nothing and I think it's famous. Oh, like, oh wow, Stonehenge, that's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> but we're um we're doing a horror film, which is a chamber piece about a parasitic sound in the ground that infects in a virus sort of way. And it stars uh Chris, Annabella Rich, and Chris Seven. And yeah, we're in Somerset five days shooting that next week. Yep. And it's going to be, it's more on the more um, kind of art horror sort of side than the schlocky kind of side. It, it's weird because we, it's I've never really done this in the way because the film, the evil is sound. Mm. So the sound is what they're experiencing, which slowly deteriorates them to self-mutilation. So it's a very different way to think about how do you translate that on film? So yeah, yeah it's going to be an interesting yeah. challenge. Yeah. Well, that's, honestly, it sounds really cool. And uh, Dustin, I know you're always working on stuff, but uh, anything you can uh, you can name, people can look out for that's coming out soon. Um, yeah, so I guess they're shooting second unit footage for Clown Chainsaw Massacre right now um, in Nebraska, because that's going to come out on the 28th. And then I am currently doing a movie for Wild Eye. I can't say the name, but it's an urban shark movie, and we wrap production tomorrow. Oh, very cool. And where can people follow all of you? Not like to your homes, but you know, if they want to yeah. see what's going on, unless you want to give out your number, your, your address. I don't know. But I assume. <laughs> I mean, our address is our office. Yeah, <laughs> I'm on uh, just Facebook. 
I, I stick to just Facebook. I have an IG account, but I never use it. So look for the blue check. You know, it's me. I, I most, I know people will say old people on Facebook, but I, I, I like Facebook the best. I think yeah. it's a place to interact. Instagram is. is just like, here's a picture. I guess it's that's, more of a community feel. I, I agree a hundred percent, which that's what I, I, I like about, uh, about the group and, and Facebook in general. And you'll find us uh, Trash Arts Films on Twitter, just bring it in, and Trash Arts UK on Facebook. And yeah, if you want to find out where we live, well, I'm not going to tell you exactly, but it's pretty easy. <laughs> pretty easy. <laughs> um, and Chris, are you, are you going to uh, start a new like life on uh, on YouTube as like a right-wing uh, activist? <laughs> <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not. No, that's, that's not on the list of things to achieve um, at all. No, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> No. Um, next up for me is obviously working on Sam. Uh, sorry, working with Sam on Incessant, yeah. and yeah. then uh, there's a, another film later in the year as well uh, that we'll be working on together as well. Mm. So that's that's full in place. Yeah. Um, if you want to follow me on social media, I'm the same on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's at CS Mills Official. All right. Very cool. This is very fun. It's always good to see all of you. Always a pleasure. Good to man. see you too, man. Yeah. yeah. We'll do more of these. Sounds Excellent. great. You're all sick of me. Never sick of it. No, Never. we appreciate it a lot, Neil. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All right, we'll see you all soon. And thanks for watching. See you later. Bye. 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 I'm gonna wave awkwardly while I hit. End. <laughs>